0: It's that time again, uh, another edition of Unlock with Fox's Brock Hewitt. I'm Lance up from the next round on Disrupt the Media. Give us a like, thumbs up. It is brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag, put in that promo code next round, and you will get a first deposit bonus on the house at MyBookie.ag. You seem in pretty good spirits for your alma mater, your uh, gold and purple Washington yeah. Huskies going down on Monday night to Michigan. You and Titus were there uh first reaction to the game and then tell me about the experience overall
1: yeah a tremendous scene I mean it was it was awesome what a what a memory it was a father-son trip of a lifetime I, Titus we got home yesterday got off the plane and you know walking to the to the car he just said you know what dad thanks and I was like yeah awesome. buddy that that was pretty freaking cool like that was the whole experience seeing so many of my former teammates You know, I joked with a few of them, like the only time maybe in our lifetime ever we'll get together like this is for a funeral of somebody, you know, where you get to see everybody. And certainly the game was a little bit of a funeral. The fourth quarter was a funeral. (laughs) Third quarter, it was very much in doubt. I was thinking, here comes Lazarus again, right? They're going to come out of this grave. They're going to survive. They're going to make the play to get it done. And they just, they couldn't do it. And I got to be honest, like in that third quarter and coming out and throwing a pick on the first play of it, I'm like, this is, this is not good. Got it back. You know, that stop, the touchdown before half, getting the ball back. We know how critical that can be in a game, especially against an elite, elite defense like Michigan. I mean, that that defense is – I saw him earlier against Nebraska, and I thought, wow, that's Nebraska. I said to a lot of people, maybe even you, like who is the best quarterback they faced all year, right? They didn't see the Pac-12 quarterbacks. They didn't really – Milrose a great runner. He's not a dynamic quarterback. And I, I thought that offense would go up and down the field. Um, they couldn't run it. Michigan hit a ton. They finished. I think they, I mean, to my eye, they missed like one tackle in the first drive, right, The in in the flat that led to the field goal. Outside of that, every one-on-one in the open field, they just hammer time. So kudos to them. That third quarter, I knew this, this wasn't going to happen because you had chance after chance after chance. Lance had 13 possessions. Right. I thought if they could get to 10, that'd be good. 11 be awesome. They had 13 possessions, did not capitalize. I know there were a couple holding calls, especially the one on Rome that was major, 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 but that wasn't the deciding factor. It was Michigan's just physicality. They're tackling their defense that had no weakness and was just flat out tremendous.
0: Yeah, and you you told us before, and you were nice enough to join us game day for a few minutes, and you said, "Look, red zone is going to be so important. Yep. Can't settle for field goals. Got to be able to execute. Got to be able to get the touchdowns. And some of those possessions were a little yep. empty. Play calling was a little strange. Thing I hated about it was now the narrative on Michael Penix. Well, he saw a good defense. This is what he's going to see in the NFL every week. Well, I got to remind you, people were critical on C.J. Stroud in spots, and he is yep. absolutely tearing it up. Like yep. I think Michael Penix does have the opportunity." to be really good. Like, I think he could be a franchise quarterback. He just, uh, it was just a bad night. It was, and he he took a
1: beating, man, and he took a real, real beating, and his ribs, you know, got beat up, something he dealt with a little bit earlier in the year he didn't want to talk about, and and I don't blame him. I'm sure his agent played a role in that. We're not going to discuss this at all, because your biggest knock is going to be whether your frame endures, whether that body can hold up. And and CJ had a little bit of the same. He had a shoulder, right, back-to-back years, Ohio State, that he dealt with. Obviously concussion this year in the NFL, that will be the the question for, for panic. So it won't be the arm. It won't be the decision-making. It won't be the accuracy. You were put to the ultimate stress test in Michigan. You were one dimensional, your run game because of Dylan's injury that played a role um, because of Michigan's front seven that played a role. You throw it 51 times. That's not sustainable against that group. Um, but it will be the body. Between now and the draft, Lance, I have a, I have a feeling that we'll chat again uh, a bunch. I know we'll get to do this through the Super Bowl, which is super exciting for me. Um, but his body will be nitpicked. And the comp that I have, and they're the exact same height and weight, at least on paper, going into the combine, is Teddy Bridgewater. And now his arm is different. His hands are 11. He doesn't have to wear gloves. He slings it you know, so much better than Teddy ever ever could or can or wants to. Uh, but the body, right? Like, can you take a a beating? Can you endure the contact? Those are grown men you just played against. Not every game in the NFL is an onslaught like that, but a bunch of them are. And 50 quarterbacks later this last year, we learned, you know, it's really hard to stay healthy for anybody, even Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert, who are big, powerful, strong, 240-pound guys. So um, that will be be nitpicked. But as far as the experience, once-in-a-lifetime, as far as father-son, incredible. As far as seeing old teammates, man, I couldn't believe it on my show yesterday. So Monday, you know, did my show from down there on quote-unquote Radio Row. There were three of us. Um, yeah, uh, did my show down there Monday, talked to you right afterwards. And then on my game Tuesday, I actually, and I never cry, like on my radio show. And I didn't even cry about the outcome or the game. But I just started like well up. Because, you know, seeing my teammates and my friends and those you just shed blood, sweat and tears and you have connections and bonds and roots and you don't realize that until you all get together. <laughs> until you're in a room. It's like, hey, 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 I love you, man. It's good. To, it's been too long. Right. Got to watch a game with Marcus Sopo, who I hosted on his recruiting trip, who we roomed together the year we were together and. You know, we've been in weddings together, but we had not seen each other much. Called a Rice game this year, but I haven't really seen them. And we're just texting today like, man, that was far too long. So special in all of those ways. But ultimately on that night, Michigan's defense just uh, shined and then some.
0: Yeah, glad you guys had a great time. It's Unlocked with Fox's Brock Urd. Um, It's brought to you by Lance's where I told you on Monday, I said, I wish you the best of luck. I wanted you to took the under. for Washington. You, you but took I took the under. I played three plays. I did Michigan. I did the under. And I did Blake Corum's over rushing yards. I was a little scared after Donovan Edwards, Donovan Edwards' first two carries. I was like, yeah. "Damn, he just stole stole <laughs> yeah. yards from my guys." But it didn't matter because. No. But I'll tell you, man, you, you guys made really good defensive adjustments in that third yeah. quarter. To, yeah. to limit what the Michigan able to got form tied him. right. I
1: mean, in the building, yeah. I don't know what it felt like watching it, Lance. Um, sometimes, and I don't love watching games. In person, I'll be I don't honest either. With you, I yeah. Don't know. Uh-uh. I feel like I missed so much. It reminded me, in some ways, of the 2005 Super Bowl in Detroit, and I knew that the calls would be a big deal. And in that in that, in that game, they were bigger. I mean, I'm not comparing. Oh, yeah. I'm not comparing the two. Bill Levy, you know, the white hat for that game said afterwards that was you know the biggest downer of his officiating life. I mean, they just missed a bunch. That was, and that defined a bunch of the game and played much more of a role in the outcome than these couple calls, couple holding calls did. But I feel like I missed, you know, I don't see replays. I don't get to catch, you know, so much of what all the other narrative is. But when you're in the building, there are some advantages and you can read body language a little more. You get to look at, and from a football perspective, I get to kind of, you know, study the sidelines and get to see things that the cameras don't always show. And Michigan got tight. In that third quarter, you know, they, they puckered up, man, their, their offense puckered up. They were one for 10 or 11 on third down. Oh, third if, down conversions, Both sides were horrific. Two for 14 for the Huskies. I know one for 10 for Michigan. And, if, and you know, when we chatted Monday and you would have said to me, Hey Brock, I can assure you this stat <laughs> will it change your feelings at all. I can assure you that Michigan on offense is going to be one for 10 on third down. I would have said, man, my 30-24 prediction, I feel good about. I think the Huskies are going to get this done. But ultimately, Huskies were two for 14, one-dimensional. Um, Michigan, and and we talked about this last week, and, and we'll continue to, I'm sure, through the playoffs, Michigan and Baltimore and their defenses will be studied more than anybody else. After a season ends, coaching staffs all across America high school, college, pro level, will study their peers. What did they do? What didn't they do? What stood out? Well, what Baltimore and Michigan are doing defensively right now, their route recognition, their fronts, their movement, their blitz packages, their scheme, their hitting, their detail, their fundamentals. It's not new. It's not earth-shattering. But how they're getting it done, why they're getting it done, the personnel that plays into getting all of that done, they will be the study for sure of this offseason
0: is Brock Hewitt right here on Unlocked. Uh, the good news is you'll be on the couch for Wild Card Weekend. We start uh, NFC-wise, Packers at Cowboys. Right now, according to mybookie.ag, Packers or Cowboys, seven-and-a-half-point favorites, a total of 50-and-a-half. If I told you Aaron Jones, most important player in this game that's not a quarterback, fair?
1: Fair. Micah Parsons probably right there as well. Just a total. TD Lamb. Game. Total game record. How about Lance. this
0: for for the Packers to for have the Packers, any yes. shot yes. at winning this game? Yes. I mean, he's gone over three or over yep. 100, three consecutive games on the ground. Yep. He's got to be in that neighborhood for Has them to be. have a fighting shot. Yeah.
1: Running, receiving, screen game, right? I mean, those elements that Michigan did um, to, to, to have a little bit of balance. Washington could not do it all fell on Michael Bennett's 51 attempts. If it all falls on Jordan Love and there's 35, 40 attempts, you're just. You're in trouble. He's going to get hit. There's going to be a fumble. There's going to be a tip. There's going to be a sack. Dallas has not lost at home in, what, two years? And that defense this year is more inflamed than ever before, and Parsons is going to want to put on an absolute show. So, yeah, that screen game, that receiving, not even the rushing yards, but the touches and the efficiency in his touches, absolutely critical for them because they'll spray it to the perimeter. they got other young guys out there. But, yeah, if you if you become one-dimensional against Dallas, and we saw that this season, right, you get blown out. You don't just lose; you get blown out in that building. So I would take Dallas. I think I'd give those seven and a half points, and that
0: defense at home in the playoffs is just going to be nuts. Again, uh, using college football to NFL analogies, you know, going back to the Rose Bowl, and you know, I was there. It felt like, and I like Michigan in the game, and ultimately they win the game they cover in mm-hmm. my But it felt like they were really super tight. Yes. They've been in that situation. Yes. They had by far the most pressure on them than any of the four teams at the playoff. Yep, and, and they made some mistakes, un-Michigan-like mistakes, with a fumble punt, a muff punt, uh miss uh, PAT, miss field goal, just things that Michigan yep. typically in regular season knocks out of the park. And you just wonder, as good as the Cowboys have been, as dominant as they've been at home, now that they're in the postseason, Cowboy fans are fed up. Man, they have not seen a postseason run in almost 30 years is there something real about pressure for the Cowboys?
1: I think there is. If this game were in Green Bay, though, I, I think I would feel entirely different. I don't know what the spread would be if it was in Green Bay. Cowboys, Cowboys probably still three and favored. A half. Yeah, yeah, three, three, three and, and a half. half. So it, it just feels – home cooking feels different, man. And sometimes there can be pressure to play at home. But two years not losing and just the vibe they have, the mechanics at the line of scrimmage, the comfort the Dak is able to play and communicate with. You know, it is such a vast difference. I wish people could understand. I remember we played. I was at the backup with the Colts and we played up at Arrowhead. And we had won in the wild card round. We had to go up there. Pretty big underdogs. Loudest stadium I'd ever been. I could not talk to. Tom Moore or people right next to him. You had to really scream. I mean, it was a sea of red. We ended up beating him. Peyton was unbelievable. Defense made enough plays, um, but I, I wish you know the average fan could see the difference for a quarterback in a communication in the line of scrimmage between playing at home and playing on the road, and especially with the Dallas and the way that Dak likes to do it and control it and all the tempo and everything that just is is in the rhythm that goes with that versus a silent count, and you lose all of that. So I I feel pretty good. Of all the games, I do feel pretty good about what Dallas is going to be capable of doing. Green Bay, icing on the cake, right? Not supposed to happen this year. As bad as they were the first half of the year, Jordan is playing better, but the speed, the intensity, it all cranks up. That noise is going to be off the charts for him and his crew to have to deal with. And yeah, the, the more and more, I just, it just smells like Dallas is going to get right now. Can they make a run? That's a different question of where they end up the right. following week in the divisional round and or at home or who's coming in. but uh, yeah, this it sure seems like this thing is set up being the number two seed to have an opportunity to make
0: a run they have not in a long time. yeah I, I would assume 25 of 32 or more general managers if they could play uh, have one wide receiver in the NFL it would be Justin Jefferson. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, how close is CD lamb to being Oof. two, three, four, five right now in the
1: league? Gosh, he is good, man. Lance, as you say that, I think back to him when I had him in Oklahoma, half dozen times, just like special teams, you know, as a punt returner, that's where those things show up as well. You've seen him in the end around, you see him in quick screens and it's not just catches. It's like the ball's in his hand and you just kind of like a, like an elite punt returner, right? You just kind of hold your breath or kick return. Like, okay, just give him a lane. Just give him any space and he's just he's just different and, and could go out and, and and make it happen. One last thing that I wrote down is you were talking about that Rose Bowl and just getting tight and playing tight and why I don't think Dak will do that. Do you you know that that amazing stat that Michigan had this year? 15 games, turned it over five times. That's amazing. And three of those were in the Bowling Green game uh, right before I had them with Nebraska. And so you take away those three interceptions that game, and they were all in the first half, I do believe, if I'm thinking right with my tape. So outside of that, the other 14 games, the other 20, you know, 14, 28, 56 quarters of play, you turned it over twice. That's amazing. And I think some of the way J.J. plays, though, I mean, that is amazing, and it's a blessing. But the curse of that, Lance... And I think this is why they felt tight and why it looked that way to you in the Rose Bowl and me to that way in Houston is because don't turn it over. Don't make a mistake. Don't turn it over. I remember John Kitna saying in a, in a coach's meeting to our QB coach, he just snapped. He's like, I can't play this way. If everything you put on your board here and it's like, don't turn it over, don't turn it over, don't turn it over, you're putting in a, in me in a box. You're eliminating my creativity. You're eliminating my playmaking. I, I have no fun playing this way. If it's just, you know... uh, one to two to check down to to, to run to don't throw it away just don't turn it over don't turn it over don't turn it over and I think that's somewhat what Michigan and JJ had to fight right the balance between that how do I live in that world yet how am I creative and explosive Dallas doesn't play that way Mike McCarthy doesn't call the game that way Dak Prescott doesn't play with that mindset and even you know I mean just when you've not done it all season long and hey man we'll overcome it and we're going to be aggressive and we're going to be the aggressors and we're going to be aggressive on fourth down none of that should change and I don't think
0: it will change this weekend it's unlocked with Fox's Brock Hewitt. I'm Lance Taylor for the next round. It is on Disrupt the Media. Like, subscribe. It is brought to you by MyBookie. Use that code next round. Get that first deposit bonus on the house at MyBookie.ag. Rams at Detroit, some are saying this could be the biggest ticket in wildcard history as wow. far as price point. Right now, the worst ticket in the house is about $600, the average ticket price is about $900. Uh, there's still tickets available in Kansas City, by the way. I know it's going to be zero degrees for Dolphins <laughs> Chiefs. It's going to feel this, like minus 20. I guess. mean, this storyline is incredible. I'll never yeah. forget, Brock. I, You know, being a lifelong Rams fan, I was at dinner back in March of 21 and or 22, 21, 22, whenever it was, mm-hmm. and my, my phone starts blowing up. Matthew Stafford has been traded to the Rams. And I'll never forget at that point when I really started to um, absorb that a little bit I had two thoughts. I had a thought that I think the Rams are going to win a Super Bowl with Matt Stafford, which ultimately did Super Bowl Mm -hmm. 56. My second thought was I feel bad for Jared Goff. Like he's a really good kid, um, but he has been sent to Detroit to end his career, (laughs) and we will never hear from Jared Goff again. And he has reinvented this career. He's a much better quarterback than he was in L.A. under Sean McVay. He's been really consistent the last couple of years. And now this storyline of Stafford versus Goff, is just an incredible storyline. But much like Dallas we talked about, um, I hate the fact – you know, as a Rams fan, I wanted the Rams playing at Detroit more than I wanted them at Dallas. So I love the fact that they beat San Francisco in Week 18. But I do get nervous because back to the officiating thing too, if Detroit doesn't get the bad call on the Mm. two-point conversion, they're the number one overall seed. So you just wonder how pissed off Dan Campbell has his guys going into this game But at the same time, they haven't won a postseason game since 1991. Longest postseason losing streak in the history of the NFL at nine games. A lot of pressure on the lines, but they're mad as hell.
1: Yeah. I I just, gosh, I think the world is Sean McVay. You know, I know you do is, is a Rams fan and And the the year during COVID in 2020, I got flipped over to the NFL. I think I had the Rams three times. You'll remember all these games, the game up in Buffalo where they got totally screwed, the game against the Jets, where, you know, my producer still to this day, I was working the game with him that year. And (laughs) every once in a while, he'd go, man, remember that anatomy, anatomy of an upset we did? For the Jets game, and, and he gave me like three check boxes, and every one of them just kind of hit that day, just like you did for the national title with your winner winner chicken dinner. He's like, you know, occasionally we'll pull that up and, and pull that graphic out for for different collegiate matchups, and and but every time I sat with McVeigh, I just I went, man, that that would be the guy to play for. Like your QB, like that guy sets you up for success. That guy takes accountability. That guy, and I said to him during that season, I said, you know, Sean, I, I hope you're not bothered by this, but I'm going to compare some of your operation to a if I told you this story before? No. If I did, I apologize. Okay. No, no please. Every, every once in a while, if I repeat stories, just say, ah, you know, hit me like a family feud. Ah, already told me that story. But I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to compare, not try to, we're gonna kind of compare and contrast what you do to these triple option military service academies. Because I think there's a lot of similarity. You know, very, you know, very different because you throw it and they run it. But when it comes to everybody contributes, and Cooper Cup's coming around on power and he's blocking guys <laughs> and and everybody can handle the ball at any different time. And, you know, the simplicity of what you do with your guys up front, you know, there's just some things here. And he's like, you think I'm going to be upset about that? Like, that's the greatest compliment you could give me, you know, that detail, that discipline in the similarity. In, and he said, maybe, you know, the biggest difference yet similarity is we try to make it as easy as we can on the hardest position on the team. And by that, he means the offensive line. So if we got different parts that got to come in, or we got different people, and obviously when they were elite, elite with Andrew Whitworth and other veterans, right? I mean, they were dominant with Todd Gurley and everything else. But I want to make it as simple and as easy on that group who has the hardest job. So you know what he won't be doing this weekend? Dropping back seven steps, trying to block those freaks on the edge, letting Aiden Hutchinson just get off and go crazy. Not going to do that. They're going to run it. They're going to screen it. They're going to jet sweep it. They're going to play action it. They're going to move it. They're going to, you know, just, you know, let those five work as five and not just these individual battles that individually they can't win, but collectively they've got a chance. And I think he does it better. He and Shanahan do it better than anybody else does. Not surprised they're from the same tree. He's their two branches from ultimately Mike Shanahan's tree, but make it as easy as possible on the hardest group. And in that building. In that matchup with their personnel, the hardest is the edges. The hardest is dealing with Hutchinson and that crew. And Sean will have a tremendous plan for it. And I think that ball will move between the 20s. Can they score touchdowns, Lance? Can they punch it in for touchdowns? Can Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup and their tight end be a huge X factor and maybe their screen game, can they score touchdowns in the red zone? They do. They can upset the Lions, and, and number seven could be, see could be moving on in the in the second round of the playoffs.
0: Yeah, the Lions right now a three-point favorite, 51 and a half is the total at mybookie.ag. Um, I wanted to ask you this because, you know, one of the Achilles heels for the Rams has been they've missed more kicks in any team, including extra points, since 2001. Mm-hmm. Lucas Haversick was cut last week. They bring in Brett Maurer, a guy that they had back in the regular season. He misses an extra point. Going into a critical playoff oh. game, how much does everything, like play calling with McVay, uh, how much does that factor in? How, you know, the team's mentality, oh, my God, he's going out there again. Um, I mean, that's that's yeah. a real thing, right?
1: It is. As you say that, I am reminded um, a couple years ago, Luke, I'm sorry, a lot of story time today. Maybe it's because I was <laughs> around all my old teammates. So a lot of your just uh, questions are sparking a lot of story time for me. But my brother had asked me to say hey would you mind reaching out and I, I hate to have you do this And he's never done it but would you mind reaching out to peyton and, and just ask him about the two-minute drill what his mindset was peyton manning and if he could just send a little audio file and putting together some clips kind of my research project in the off season and and peyton did it and he was just great and gracious and it was amazing and and uh, peyton by the way doesn't leave you voicemails um, he loves to text, but he leaves you audio files. Eli Manning was talking about this. <laughs> He's like, yeah, for our Monday night shows, I'll get a nine minute, 12 minute audio file from Peyton. Like, really? Can you shorten it? Can you condense it? Can you put an email? No, here's just 12 minutes of my audio file. This was not nearly that long, but in it, Peyton said, you know what I loved in two minute drills? I love being down. I love being down four. it eliminated the thought of a field goal. I just loved it. You know, we all knew. Get in the huddle. Here we go. And we would do situational work, and we do two minute every week, and we do two minute for every year, and we do two minute during training camps. And we've done two million two minute a thousand times together with Marvin and Edge and those guys. I loved it when it was a four point difference, and we knew don't have to get to the thirty or thirty five or play any of these other games. It eliminated some of that decision making, and I think that's got to be some of the approach, honestly. The approach is not get to 35. It's not get to the 30. It's not settle for field goals. What I just said about scoring in the red zone. You got four downs. Let's go. Now, obviously, if it's a seven-yard line or a gimme, but, you know, you get to PAT range and beyond, maybe the mindset is screw it. No, like I, I,
0: you know, I mean, I remember the Baltimore game this year. You know, the Rams are seven and one in their last eight. The one loss was at Baltimore in overtime. And as a fan, I would rather it be a four-point game right now. I really would. Mm-hmm. You just You can't put a season on a kicker. You know, if it's Matt Gay two years ago, I get it. But right now with Brett Maurer, I, yep. j- I just don't trust what you're going to get. Um, on the other side, uh, this Sam Laporta in- uh, injury is really interesting because Jared Goff's got a variety of weapons. But Sam Laporta, you know, we talk about C.J. Stroud, Puka Nakua, these incredible seasons. Mm-hmm. These were bad. But Sam Laporta's been as good as anyone. Just a dude, right?
1: Double-digit touchdowns. And you don't get to that point with it all being scripted. And I know that I'm, I'm on Ross St. Brown and, and just – I I don't know about you, but man, that running back Gibbs just
0: yeah. looks different. He is so, so- from Georgia Tech to Bama to where he is now, and you kind of had a, a feeling this guy with his electrifying his ability, you know, out of the backfield to uh, catch the football, he was going to have a better NFL career than a college career. And doesn't he just look different,
1: like, speed-wise? Oh, yeah, he can fly. Do you know how hard that is to do as a running back at the NFL level? Like, they're really fast guys, and the Combine's coming up in a couple months. And all of them is running back more than any other position. They're all, like, 5'9 to six foot and 205 or to 220. And they all run, like, 4'5 to 4'6". Yep, and then when you get just that dude that's just different, and you can—I know the the Lions were totally panned for that draft pick, and what an overreach, and what a terrible—and he and Campbell and even Laporte, like, what are we doing here? And they knew what they were doing; they knew exactly the skill set they wanted to add, exactly the track on inside a dome that they play. But there's not many times Percy Harvin was kind of that way. I mean, when I watched Percy play, I was like, how is he that much faster than everybody else, even at the NFL level? So if I'm a Rams fan, if I'm you. Quite honestly, that's the dude that scares me, scares me as much as anybody. Because once again, it's easy to get him the ball. You don't need everybody to block. You don't need all this other execution. Hey, here's a toss. Here's a bubble. Here's a swig pass. Here's a you know. Here's a crease. Their O line is dominant and physical, and, and I think will create those opportunities. And every time the ball is in his hand, it's a defense, you got to just kind of hold your breath. And uh, without Laporta or
0: or a limited Laporta, that uh, that rookie may have to come to life even more. It's Unlocked with Fox's Brock Hewitt. I'm Lance Taylor for the next round. It's on Disrupt the Media. Make sure you like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up. We would appreciate that. It is brought to you by mybookie.ag. Use that code next round. You're going to get a first deposit bonus on the house at mybookie.ag. The last game of the wild card weekend, Monday night, Eagles at Tampa. Uh this matchup, I mean, if you went back to September and you told me the Eagles are going to be on the road in the postseason and they're going to be playing Tampa and Baker Mayfield, I would have said you're insane. But they've lost five of six. Baker Mayfield has been really, really above solid. He's been – he's played like a top-10 quarterback at times this year. Eagles are a three-point favorite, total of 43-and-a-half. They're just trending the wrong direction. I don't know how you have any – confidence with the philadelphia eagles right now
1: i yeah and i'll tell you how much play is is uh, the finger gotten because w- when i saw you know him Jay, um hurts you know hit his finger on that helmet i was like ooh, that look like russell wilson with his mallet finger
0: you ever well, people mallet- don't understand that like hitting the finger on the helmet it for for a dude on the couch that's never played it's probably like damn that can't be that bad right you've done it i mean guys fingers break all the time i mean how bad yep. is
1: it Well, it depends which one it is. Like, that's a big deal. (laughs) Uh, I told you I watched a game with Tui and I said, You ever play here in Energy Stadium? He's like, do I play here? Look at my finger. And he showed me like the scar on the tip of his index finger. He's like, preseason game, holding for a freaking backup kicker. Guy was terrible. And I was like, Oh man. And the snap came, and sure enough, this guy kicked the tie, kicked it, and kicked my finger. And I looked down and blood squirting out of the tip of my finger. I'm like, (laughs) Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? And you know, goes in the locker room, and the coach like, "Well, you're fine." He's like, "I'm not fine. Like this, this thing right here, like this is, you know, (laughs) of all my fingers and digits, like this knuckle, this finger is like the most important of all, right? And and probably right behind that is a is a QB, you know, this one, and that's why I think it was it was Russell's index finger. So that one you get mallet finger. Remember he had surgery and he was out. So I'm sure Jalen will put a, a splint of some sort, but that will. Absolutely affect them. I mean, that's, but on a throwing hand, every one of those fingers is important. You can get away, I think, with the pinky. You know, you've seen some of that. You put a splint, you can get away with that. Yeah, but, but can yeah, you th- still have the
0: uh, the distance without the pink?
1: It's a control. I think you could still get some of the distance. I think it's just that that level of control with each of these, the most important, second most important, third, fourth of just hey man, I feel good about where this thing is going. And obviously your thumb, which Stafford dealt with earlier this year, that's probably that's that's number 1. So 1 2 just kind of all the way down the line. So, you know, that's going to be a factor, but even beyond any of that knuckle or any of that injury is this locker room is just a disaster.
0: What happened? You know, I I saw somebody today, and I thought this was insane. Nick Sirianni, if he's not your coach, a lot of people don't like him. He's pretty arrogant. At least he seems that way on the sideline. But I saw somebody say, is he coaching for his job Monday? They were in the Super Bowl last year. They're still 11 wins. I know it's completely falling apart. But is there something going on inside of that locker room that is completely derailed this season? Gosh, we had such a
1: good – at some point, I need to get you, uh, K.J. Wright, on your guys' show. You will love him. Uh, Former
0: Mississippi State uh, or, linebacker.
1: That's exactly right. All yeah. the branch Mississippi down there. He's doing more and more media. He's starting to do some games. He jumps on with us for an hour uh, every Wednesday. It's one of my favorite segments and hours of the show every single week, every single month of the football season. And we were talking about the disappointment with the Seahawks this year and why they were mediocre and why they were nine and eight and why that, you know, three and seven down the stretch and went the wrong way and got swept by Sanford. And he said such a great word. You're right. Because all of this stuff has come out and I don't know if you saw cigar gate because they beat Arizona. Their slappy sloppy kicker. Actually had a great year. He's only missed four kicks all year, but he missed
0: two in the final three minutes. Did Seahawks. you see the graphic too? Cause I flipped over there and I was thinking yeah. about you because I was like, you know, if Green Bay could somehow blow this and Green Bay locked it up before the game was over. Correct. But they were like, Matt Prater is 23 of 23 with game tying or winning field goals in the fourth quarter. And I was like, sure. I told the girlfriend, I was like, watch this. He will miss. It was like a 52-53 yarder and yep. Yep. slice is right. Yep. After missing a 40-something yarder just
1: a little bit earlier. And so he missed two kicks in the final three and a half minutes. And it's all, oh, yeah, this is great. You know, the Seahawks and Pete's super positive. And then you had dudes in the, in the locker room smoking cigars. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, no. And
0: some of the old
1: heads, like Bobby Wagner, were pissed. And Pete, as Pete normally does, just downplays it. Hey, listen, Julian Love had a baby the week before, brought the cigars. We lose to the Steelers, not smoking them. It was more of a celebration of that. I tried to spin it that way. <laughs> Ooh. But it's just off. It, it, it was off. It was off like D.K. Metcalf, who earlier in the year, Pete called him out, and you know his penalties and his ridiculous immaturity and his blow-ups, right? And, uh, you know, Pete said, you know, we put those penalties on the board and we show it. And DK's answer was, it's just a board. It ain't nothing to me, man. That's just a board. Right. So just in and, uh, you know, continue with Jamal Adams, just a loose cannon. and, And they have to, you know, for a home game, he's inactive and he's not even in the stadium. Right. He's at home. I mean, just all of these little incidents. And I thought KJ said it so well. You have to have balance. Pete is amazing leader of men. He is servant-hearted. He is sacrificial. He has grace. He takes every arrow. When Earl Thomas flips him off, you know, going off the field, doesn't matter, right? When Richard Sherman just scorched earth, doesn't matter. Like all these things it just doesn't matter. Like he just takes it. But there has to be balance. And for many years, when KJ was there, Ken Norton was the balance. He was a disciplinarian. He was a bad cop. He just totally hammered and, and you know, and hammer guys and not stand for any of that. They don't have it. And they're missing it, and it just doesn't feel right. Philadelphia, there's something totally out of whack, totally out of balance. That locker room is just—it's uh, dysfunctional. It doesn't
0: have that kind of balance that it needs. And it's—it's it's crazy though, Brock, that it can happen middle of the season or even past middle of the season. I mean, this team was ten and one. Yep. And and, and they just look so different because you know, again, being a Rams guy, watching them in SoFi, mm-hmm. and when they came in, I mean. It seemed like that disciplined team that made the Super Bowl run last year. It seemed like something was a little off. like offensively, Jalen wasn't as good as he was down that during that yep. run last year. Yeah, but still to go ten and one and then lose five of your last six games. And I mean, I don't know how you feel about this game. I kind of lean Tampa. Kind of do too. And, yeah. and
1: I don't know if it's the Zen 10 that was in Baker's pocket during practice. It's not a lot of people liking that. i <laughs> <laughs> thinking for sure if he's got a 10 in practice, uh, Tampa is absolutely good to go. I don't think Tampa's that good a team. I got, no, in, you know, just. My, Mike Evans doesn't get old though,
0: does he? No,
1: he's unbelievable. He um, is unbelievable. But if that storyline doesn't tell you and show you how fine this line is in the NFL. This isn't college. This isn't the haves and have-nots. This is a, a fairly level playing field. You know, this year it does. You and I, I think, both liked Baltimore and San Fran before the year like a lot of people did. And over the course of the season, they're the number one seed. They're the favorites right now, to me, the favorites to meet in the Super Bowl and everything else. But the other 30... (laughs) <laughs> you know, Philadelphia is sitting there at 10 and one. We would have said that. I know we did. We did it on this podcast. Like, yeah, man, they're just built different. Yep. You know, they're just complete. They're in every phase of it. And you just get a little off. You get a little imbalance. You get a little brokenness. You get a little doubt. You get a little injury. You get a little beat up. Whatever it is, man, the NFL is a darn fine line. And oh, by the way, Brock Purdy's never won a Super Bowl. We're this guys there. He's got to do that. Baltimore and Lamar Jackson haven't gotten over that hump in the playoffs. They still got to prove it and got to go do that. And uh, who knows who gets hot here in these playoffs. And
0: gosh, going to be some must-see TV. Before I let you roll, give me one, two, three quarterbacks in the NFC confidence level for the postseason, one, two, and three. And then of the seven teams, because obviously San Francisco is your favorite to get to the Super Bowl and represent the NFC, we know they're in. But of these six teams playing this weekend, how many teams realistically can make a Super Bowl run?
1: Okay, so is this in the play of the of just the quarterback? Like he plays great, but he you know team has just got too many holes and they just can't quite. So just my confidence I, I would, of that I, guy playing great,
0: regardless of the yeah 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 yeah. And and based on you know I mean some of it is experience. I mean this mm-hmm. is a different stage once you get to the postseason. Okay,
1: so the NFC we have got um, we'll go backwards right. We got Jordan Love. We've got Stafford. Who's the four seed? Um in the end. Oh, well, we just talked about it. Jalen and Baker and Jared Brock Purdy. Dak and Purdy. Okay, so my confidence level, it's crazy. I mean, it's I'd go Matthew Stafford one. He's gonna play great. He's gonna get the ball out. He's gonna distribute. Um, as you said, seven and one, and that one loss went toe to toe. His business should be eight and oh since coming back from that injury. So I probably put confidence level Stafford number one. <sighs> Wow, that's a good question because I want to say I Dak, got
0: dogged out. I got called a homer because I went Stafford one and Dak two. I, I think I go Dak
1: two as well.
0: You I mean know, Dak hasn't runner. won that big game yet. You he know, hasn't. I mean
1: there's a big difference there. But Dak feels different to me this year. He does. He Dak does. Dak feels mature to me this year. Dak feels scar tissue, not like thin skin. Just been there, done it. You know, I, if I make a mistake, it's not going to unravel me. Got a head coach now. He and him are really tied together. I think that's super important. Kind of like Stafford and and Sean, his play caller, are just hip to hip, right? Totally confident. I think Dak and McCarthy have to overcome a lot there. in Dallas. <laughs> so much attention, so much hype, all of it. And I think the two of them are just like, hey, man, we're good. You know, we're just kind of hip to hip and let's do this. I don't feel that with Jalen. Baker, you know, Love is
0: young. That's it's what I, I was wondering really what – I knew you would go in, in some order, some semblance of an order of Dak and Stafford. I that I'll put 33. Yeah, I'll put I 33. I
1: don't think he's going to be overwhelmed by the moment. He's got such a good repertoire. They're going to be playing at home. He doesn't have to play Baltimore. I don't see another group having you know, the, the kind of group that Baltimore does going in there, Save for maybe Dallas, if, if they end up getting there ultimately. Um, and even then, they absolutely whooped them and handled them. So i probably
0: put Brock number three. Okay, and finally, how many of the seven teams can actually make a run?
1: Kansas City can still make a run. Green Bay no. is probably not going to make a run. LA is not going to make a run. I don't think Tampa Bay – I mean, Philadelphia, I'm still put there, crazier things happen. This is a crazy yeah. league. These storylines go any which way. You know, does it hit finally? Such a rock bottom, such, you know, humility. I know my buddy Herm Edwards said, no chance, it's done. It's totally toast. They've given up. They've quit. Um, but there's too much talent. I mean, there's too much experience. They just did it a season ago, and we're right there and maybe a play or two away from winning the whole thing with a lot of the same personnel. So, um Philadelphia could do it Dallas could do it Detroit feels like a little bit of a reach because their defense has so many holes and defense does matter and depth of defense does matter so I'll say three I'll say Dallas San Francisco and Philadelphia
0: always great stuff it is uh, unlocked with Fox's Brock Hewitt is brought to you by lanceslock.com free play every single day jump on board at lanceslock.com great stuff Enjoy the wild card weekend, and we'll uh, do this again next week.
1: Yeah, a lot of story time in this one, man. But that's what happens when you see old friends and old buddies, and you reconnect, and you just kind of reminisce a, a whole bunch of that. And it's gonna be a lot of reaction. This is gonna be. I don't know, man. This feels like as wild a playoff, right? We knew that the whole playoff, you know, came down to two plays in the semis. Had it been a twelve-team playoff this year, I don't know if Washington and Michigan were the would be the final two standing. Michigan probably would have been, as well as they were built in every single capacity of it. Of course, Georgia would have been there. You know, they would. Yeah, Alabama would. Georgia. I mean, all depend on matchups. Oregon. Who knows? But uh, this playoff feels as wild as it's felt in a long time, and certainly with some newcomers in positions they've not been in, like Detroit. And, and the Rams, as you said, winning seven of eight. We're going to have fun, man. It's going to be a
0: fun month here to talk about it. Uh, one of the parts of story time with Brock Heward was uh, the Peyton Manning story about the uh, voice memos there. Uh, when are you going to be on the Manning cast? Because trust me, they've had a lot le- worse guests than Brock Heward. <sighs> probably never. Yeah, probably never. If you were an ESPN employee, you think you'd be on there? know. May
1: well, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a shot. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if I beg and-, and is, that, uh, is that not bucket list for you? Be pretty fun. It'd be pretty fun. I know right where it's at by the way. It could be in person too. It's an amazing little facility. Where,
0: uh, where what city is it in?
1: It's it's in uh, in the Denver area. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Peyton's got a pretty uh He's pretty not making any up. money post career, is he? No, nah, he doesn't seem to be a very good businessman. Huh? Oh my <laughs> goodness. Uh oh. Uh oh. What do we got? Uh oh. I you know, while we were doing this, I missed two calls and and after the second call I said this may be happening and it is Pete Carroll fired.
0: Are you kidding?
1: Nope.
0: Oh, wow. I know you got a lot of things to do there, but, uh, man, yep. I'm blown away. I mean, I yep. guess you've got something with the dissension you talked about. Now, John Snyder, is it his decision? You
1: know, it's interesting. Um, Lance, I said on our show today, like usually the, he has his end of your press conference a day after the season, maybe two. Yeah. Jody Allen. You know, with Paul Allen, they don't they don't mess around. They're pretty impatient in business. And when this started to loom, I said to Saul given this morning, I said, Hey man, anything read into? Do you read any? It's been a three days. You're starting to see some conspiracy theories in the social media realms like this longer than it's ever been. And uh that's too bad. I have so many friends on that staff, uh, so many relationships. And you know, I not shocked with Pete. I'm not shocked. Not shocked. Me.
0: Wow. Well, me, um, if I was to ask you this, though, Pete Carroll, oldest active coach or was the oldest active coach in the NFL, is he done coaching, do you think?
1: Um.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think it. I think it's 72. I don't. Yeah, that's a sad day, man. I hate to see Pete Carroll. Yes. A guy that had a dominant dynasty at USC and a guy that went to multiple Super Bowls and won one. One of the few guys that has ever won both national championship and Super Bowl to go out on his career getting fired. I hate that.
1: I wonder, honestly, Lance, my gut is with three days um, that they've sat on this and it's the longest they've waited for press conference. I wonder if some of this has been back and forth of will you resign? Cause we don't want to fire you. Don't want to fire you.
0: Yeah. Let me just step
1: down. And um, it's interesting. It didn't feel right. Pete is a feel guy after all these years He's a feel guy. He's an emotional guy, and you know, a bunch of different times kind of said that. You know, we talk to him every Monday. Like, it just doesn't. It's just not feeling right, and it reminds me of. Well, this is my last story of the day this time. Sitting with Chris Peterson, in um, in a personal moment. I went, you know, this was not like doing a production meeting. It was a separate time, and at the end, Pete just kind of coach Peterson. Chris was like, it just doesn't feel right I'm just not reaching them I'm just not I know when the message is sinking in I know when it's there and I know when it's not and this year the message over the last 10 games finishing three and seven 31st in defense they were 30th in defense last year a guy that prides himself at the line of scrimmage these things just weren't right and multiple times with DK as we talked about earlier and Jamal like the message wasn't Being received and maybe I thought there could be staff changes. Maybe it's again, new coordinators, but he's been able to do that three or four times, bringing in new coordinators, bringing in new people the last six, seven years. And yeah, it's a bummer. I'm bummed for a lot of my friends that are on that staff and in other roles in that building and, and know the impact this can have on their lives. But um, can't tell you that I'm just shocked that Jody Allen and the people around her realize the same thing. This isn't feeling right. And running it back yet again, if Pete's not willing, you know, or we don't trust that changes around him can can be difference-making, we're not going to run it back again.
0: The only reason I ask it, because he's in the backyard and because it is a pro-style offense, Kalen DeBoer, a candidate?
1: That name's been floated. I have dismissed it because he's never done one day of professional football coaching. The name I just mentioned, would he be on my list to interview? Chris Peterson, 100%. Would an NFL job in his home where he makes home now and loves and has settled in, um, would a professional job be the one job that could pull him back into coaching? Yes. Now, he also has no professional experience, but you want to go outside the box, Kalen DeBoer would be well outside of it. (laughs) I don't think Chris Peterson would be quite as far because he would surround himself, I think, with more pro people or people that have gone on to the pros and I don't know. Those would be a couple names. There's, you know, if you want conspiracies, there's a lot of folks nervous. Like, hey, man, Caitlin's had this contract on his desk for 39 days and hasn't signed it. And uh, people have used that. But man, just not a not an NFL background. It'd be a big risk. It'd be a big swing. I wouldn't hate it. But it would definitely be well, well outside the box.
0: Yeah, sad note to end on today. I know you got a lot of work to do. Great stuff, as always. We'll talk to you next week. He is Fox's Brock Hewitt. It's Unlocked. Disrupt the media. Like, subscribe. Give us that thumbs up.